Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. In this episode of Boss Files, a CNN special documentary report, we take you inside the rise of Amazon. Understand the mission and the man behind it all. How did Jeff Bezos do it? And where is he taking Amazon next? From the marketplace to the cloud to Hollywood and perhaps to space. In this special Boss Files episode, I sit down with Don Graham, the legendary former publisher of the Washington Post, and the man who agreed to sell the iconic newspaper to Jeff Bezos. Jeff has brought one thing uh, to the paper, which is masses of technology talent. And it wasn't just a matter of opening his checkbook and saying, okay, go hire a bunch of people. I think he helped them in hiring, mm. opened up recruiting sources and, mm. and uh, knew the people who were. Uh, one of the first things I noticed after Jeff bought the paper, I ceased being an insider that day. You can find our CNN documentary, The Age of Amazon, on CNN Go. Here's my conversation with Don Graham, chairman of Graham Holdings. Don Graham, I'm thrilled that you're here. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Poppy. Glad to talk to you. You know, about you, Jeff Bezos has called you the most honorable person he's ever known. That's quite a statement. Well, that may be a slight exaggeration on Jeff's, a slight flattery on Jeff's part, but I'll leave that to him. (laughs) So tell me about how you got to know Jeff Bezos. Well, I got to know him because... Uh, for the past 25 years, I have been a massive Amazon customer, and I was fascinated by it. And so when I was at a couple of meetings with Jeff, I sought him out, asked him about the company, noticed how much it improved from year to year to year. There was a time long ago when your books came encased in styrofoam peanuts, and that gave way to much more environmentally sensible packaging. And the package, the shipping was so good, and it got better and better. Then Prime came along. That worked. So I, uh, I was trying to figure out the future of the newspaper business, trying to figure out how a newspaper that had been successful in print could be successful in the digital world. Right. And Jeff seemed like a good person to talk to, and I talked to him from time to time. What were your first impressions? Well, uh, my first impression was how well that company worked. Huh. That he had made that he had made the company, which did first one simple thing and then a whole bunch of things, work astonishingly well for the customer. Hmm. It was ultimately uh, reliable. Jeff uh, actually was nice enough to call me when they were first creating the Kindle, and yeah. uh, we, the Post was an early adopter, but a team from the Post flew out, and Jeff and his team demonstrated the Kindle for us, the very, very early first-generation Kindle, of which I think I still have one. And uh, it was a terrific thing to have done. It was not ideally adapted for newspapers because the typeface was more, uh, more created to read books, but you could read newspapers just fine on it. And we, we worked with him, and uh, we were one of the first papers available on mm-hmm. Kindle. 
And that was a tiny step in the direction of our own digital ambitions. Well, because, you know, some would read that as eating up their business, right? If you're a newspaper guy, you think here's this digital thing coming from Amazon, but it sounds like you embraced it. Well, remember the post in print was available only in the Washington, D.C. area, maybe a bus ride away, maybe New York. So yeah. for three quarters of the country, we weren't available. This in was print. the way to help make it a national if paper. If I flew to Los Angeles, uh, it helped to be available on Google. It helped to be available on Kindle. Mm. It helped to be available any way we could. So your mother, the famous Catherine Graham, introduced you to Jeff Bezos. Is that right? I'm not sure. I, mean, I it's think possib- I read that it's somewhere. Remote. It's possible because I'm pretty sure the first place I met Jeff was at the Allen Company conference in Sun Valley. Yeah. And my mother preceded me at that conference. But uh, it's possible she introduced us there. I don't remember. What was your relationship like with Jeff Bezos before and then after he purchased the Washington Post? How did it evolve? Well, I was uh, trying to talk to anyone I could in Silicon Valley, in Seattle, to talk about what smart people thought. You know, my standard question was, what would you do if you were the owner of a newspaper? How would you go about trying to adapt it to the digital age? What are newspapers doing this right? What are newspapers doing this wrong? I talked to Steve Jobs. I talked to Gates. I talked to Mark Zuckerberg. I talked to the founders of Google. I talked to anybody who would talk to me about that subject. And uh, so I talked to Jeff over and over again, uh, flew out to see him or ran into him at business meetings during the year. And uh, obviously it was not the foremost thing on his screen, but I did always think of Jeff as someone who was interested in reading. Amazon was founded around books, not, uh, not drugstore products or whatnot. So this was somebody who knew something about reading and about the habits of readers. So that Uh, interested me and uh, so I would always tap Jeff and others for ideas which was a very valuable thing to do. Do you remember the most valuable idea he ever gave you about the post before he bought it? No uh, but I I remember that uh, he was smart sensible and not full of himself he was uh, for somebody who had brought off such an amazing achievement you mean compared to these other Silicon Valley guys? Yeah, well, there, there, there were one. Or, <laughs> I would say that's a group that's had a, lot, had a lot of reasons to be proud, but also had a lot of things to pull them back down to earth. So there you go. I think Jeff had his head unscrewed on pretty well. He had his head screwed on well. So that made you think, Don, I'm going to ask him if he wants to buy the Washington well, Post. Well, that was uh, a... Obviously, uh, probably for newspapers, as for, let us say, CNN, the 2008 financial crisis was devastating. Uh, The Washington Post newspaper lost 22% of its advertising revenue in that one year. We had never had a year where we'd lost 5% of revenue. And we'd been through a lot of recessions, but we'd never seen anything like this. It wasn't just that it damaged newspaper advertising. It put a lot of our advertisers out of business. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of, you know, we had a big electronic retailer down here called Circuit City that was one of our top 10 advertisers there. Suddenly they were gone and so were a lot of others. And others stayed in business but didn't have nearly the amount of money they did, the number of stores they did, and so on. The 2008 recession accelerated the process of consolidation in the retail sector so we didn't have as many advertisers, they didn't have as much money to spend. Mm 
And uh, the publisher of the Post at that time was not me, it was my niece, Catherine Weymouth, who had done a fabulous job. Catherine had become the publisher in February of 2008. Her timing could not have been worse. She didn't have an up month in revenue, but she faced the misery of the next five years as well as a person could. She not only kept the paper uh, uh, publishing, she kept it profitable uh, in cash flow terms, and she kept, uh, she kept it on a very good course. Today, the editor of the Post, Marty Barron, the editor of the editorial page, Fred Hyatt, and the uh, head of IT, Shailesh Prakash, who are three of the most important people at the paper, are all people hired by Catherine, mm. and so are a lot of the other executives there. So Catherine, so Catherine cared as deeply about the Post as I did, and when she came to me in the spring of, in the, the very end of 12, and said, Don, I've been the publisher now for five years, and uh, every year I've had to lay off people that I didn't want to lay off and that the post, it wasn't good for the post to lay off. And she said, I see no reason to think the next five years are going to be any different from the last five years. So I heard what she was saying. And the two of us sat and talked about the future and concluded not that we ought to sell the paper, but that we ought to think about whether there was anybody else out there who could bring something to the paper that we did not have. Uh, if you thought about it, the reason for our family ownership of the Post was not that it was supposed to be good for the family, but that it was supposed to be good for the Post. Right. And did some, or was there somebody else out there who might be better? And you didn't really need another newspaper guy, right? You needed something different. Well. Uh, if you thought about it, what, we were a very small public company. The financial results of the Post were published every quarter. That had a little echo. Uh, if, if it was a, a good quarter, that was great. But if it was a bad quarter, that made uh, there was a lot of nervousness uh, about the future. So you said to yourself, who could have something that we don't have? Well, you could imagine somebody with simply endless amounts of money, but that that uh, that person does not exist. Somebody that doesn't care about the profit or loss of things they do. Uh, you could imagine another company with oceans of journalists that to reinforce what the Post was doing. Uh, but the obvious thing to consider was that good as we were at operating the Washington Post, uh, we did not have the technology skills of the great technologists. And it was possible to imagine somebody who'd be a good owner of the Post. Evidence was mounting that Jeff knew a little more about technology than I did. Just a little. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that evidence has increased with time. I mean, you've said he's a good businessman and technologist, but he's not a magician. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I, I sat at a breakfast with Warren Buffett in January of 13. Warren at that time was on our board and was one of the, he was the, the person, I, the single person I was closest to as an advisor all the years that I was the CEO of the company. And somebody asked Warren about Amazon and Warren said, Jeff Bezos is the best CEO in the United States. Really? Yeah. And uh, I thought to myself, huh, well, you know, that was, that was 
the warmest possible endorsement from the person I respected the most in business. Especially coming from Warren Buffett. Yeah, and Warren knows a little about CEOs. Uh, I would say the competition for who's the best CEO in the United States is between Warren and Jeff. More from our CNN special documentary report on Amazon after the break. I have to imagine that it was very difficult for you to even come to the realization that this family that you know is the has been the lifeblood of the Washington Post has to sell the Washington Post to save the Washington Post. Well, it was very difficult, but uh, Catherine's first-hand testimony as the publisher, as the person running it every day, responsible for the business results, was the two of us worked on this together, and. Uh, Jeff spoke first, not to us, but to an intermediary, an investment banker, Nancy Peretzman of Allen & Company, who just was fabulous through the process. And Jeff first expressed interest, had a couple of 45-minute conversations on the phone with Nancy, and then went silent. So did did Bezos come to you with interest to buy the Post, no. or did you bring the Post to Jeff Bezos? No, we reached out to a very limited number of people whom we thought might have interest, uh, might have something okay. that the Post might need. And as I say, technology expertise was the obvious, uh, the obvious thing where we knew we were not uh, in the same league in technology with with uh, the truly great companies out there. So the, in the way in publishing and distributing a great print newspaper, we were fabulous. But that isn't the way my children were reading the Post, and it isn't the way most younger people were reading the Post. So we wanted, we wanted to think about whether there was somebody there who could, who could catch us up in a hurry in digital talent. Did Jeff Bezos save the Washington Post? Well, he, uh, Jeff would be the first person to tell you that he does not have the answer with a capital T and a capital A. But there's nobody that does. The people at the New York Times don't have the answer. The people at the Wall Street Journal don't have the answer. And the people at CNN don't have the answer. How people are going to get information in the 21st century is still an open question. Mm-hmm. But Jeff has brought one thing uh, to the paper, which is masses of technology talent. And it wasn't just a matter of opening his checkbook and saying, okay, go hire a bunch of people. I think he helped them in hiring, mm. opened up recruiting sources, and, mm. and uh, knew the people who were. Uh, one of the first things I noticed after Jeff bought the paper, I ceased being an insider that day. Really? I, I did not. Uh, I, I decided that I would never ask the people running the paper, how are you doing, because they would tell me, and it wasn't my business to know anymore. But the first thing I noticed as a reader was that uh, the time it took to load any given story on the website went you know, very, very quickly, went to next to nothing. And the Post today loads a hell of a lot faster than any other news site I go to. You know, Bezos said just last year, I had no intention of buying a newspaper. But then, when he heard about this opportunity, um, apparently he said no to you at first. Is that right? No, he, he, uh, he said nothing. He, he talked to Nancy Peretzman twice and then uh, said nothing and then did not talk anymore. And then emailed me a week before he and I were to attend a meeting 
the same Allen and Company meeting at Sun Valley in 2013 and said, if you're still interested in talking about this, I'm interested, maybe we could have lunch at Sun Valley. So you had lunch at Sun Valley? We had lunch at Sun Valley. And is that where the deal was made? We had two lunches. At the end of the first one, Jeff told me he was interested, and at the end of the second one, we shook hands. You shook hands. Mm -hmm. You wanted $250 million for the post. Well, we, had, we were selling a total on assets that totaled around around a billion dollars. Most of those assets I didn't think was well, what Jeff would want. For instance, we had a building at downtown Washington, but it was a building built in 1950. It wasn't particularly well suited to a newspaper in 2013. It made better sense. I said, you can make a few million dollars by selling the building, but that's not a particularly good use of the money it would cost you to buy it. So I put a price on all the assets, but as I expected, uh, he did not want, for instance, our, uh, we had about what turned out to be about $530 million worth of stock in a couple of internet companies, mm -hmm. but that was not a rational use of his money, so we ultimately sold those. So he wound up paying $250 million for the newspaper itself. I've heard that there was no negotiating. You named a price for the newspaper itself. Itself? He said yes. Is that is that wrong? That's, what what really happened? No, that's that's roughly correct. Uh, there was uh, there's one asterisk I still don't want to talk about, but but uh, I named the price. Jeff thought it was a reasonable price. He agreed to pay it, and he never wavered. In in any negotiation, there's always a moment where somebody's advisors is saying, "Well, Jeff, you know, you're paying too much for this. You ought to do that." But have, having shaken hands, that. Uh, we did not change, and he did not change. He was, Jeff was a man of his word 100% of the time throughout the process. You gathered all of the employees of the Post together in an auditorium. Yes. There's one other thing I ought to say. Tell me. Uh, one obvious thing that Catherine and I and the board, I, after Catherine and I talked, we went and talked to the board of directors of the Post Company, and I talked at length with Warren Buffett. And uh, so that was 100% of the group that knew about this. And eventually our company lawyer and the company CFO uh, knew as well. Uh, but one thing all of us, this group, wanted to, wanted to think about was there are a lot of people with a lot of money and strong political views. Having strong political views and owning a newspaper is uh, not a good combination. And I said to Jeff, one reason I want to talk to you is that you are a very wealthy person. At that point, I think he was the third wealthiest person in the United States. And I didn't know what his politics were. And I figured that with the money he had, if he had very strong political views, if he wanted to change the world or the country in some respect, I'd probably know. He'd have been contributing to candidates. He'd sure. have He'd have uh, talked about it. And there are plenty of wealthy people who do want to change the world in a liberal direction, in a conservative direction, in some direction. I said to Jeff, if you even 5% want to buy the paper because you want to advance uh, some political view or some view of how the country ought to change, save your money. It would, be, it would blow up in your face. It would be a mistake. And uh, he laughed and said, no, I absolutely don't. It's not, 
not in the least what interests me about the paper. Do you think owning the Washington Post has given Bezos more clout among the political class here in Washington? No. I mean, I think really? being Jeff Bezos is what, you know, as the owner of Amazon, as the, I mean, Jeff could hardly have more clout if he wanted to exercise it. But, but the, uh, there's I, something different between running a really successful business and being seen by some as a savior of, of free press, right? Yeah, but I do not think Jeff, uh, uh, I, as I said, I am no longer an insider, but I see no evidence that Jeff is using the Washington Post to advance mm -hmm. any political interest to, I've never heard of his, uh, in, in, 20 years when I was publisher of the Washington Post, I never told the Post to run a story or not to run a story. I never told an editor to change a story. I never told an editor to make a story more prominent or less prominent. And I don't, I believe Jeff has done exactly the same thing. If you run a newspaper well, and I think Jeff is running this newspaper well, you hire the best editors you can find and you tell them to find out the news and print it. You leave sure them alone. Kind be of, sure they're right. Kind of like Warren Buffett does with his CEOs, exactly. right? Hire good people and leave them alone. Exactly. Let them run the business. So after you shook Bezos' hand, you make the deal, you gather all of the Washington Post employees in an auditorium mm -hmm. to tell them the news. And David Remnick in The New Yorker wrote about that moment and said that you had to pause at moments and collect yourself because it was clearly emotional for you. Yeah, it was emotional. But Catherine and I had done the pausing some months earlier. We had been, uh, we just had to be sure that this was something we were willing to do. Uh, once we knew we were willing, we were quite willing to announce it. But yes, we gathered everybody at the post in the auditorium. Uh, one of the small miracles of this transaction was that it didn't leak. If it had leaked, uh, it would have been uh, trouble of some kind. I remember the. I remember the. I remember where I was when I read that Jeff Bezos was buying the yeah. Washington Post. And my first email was to Warren Buffett to see if he talked to me about it. I remember that. But but you're right. It didn't leak at all. No, it didn't. And that uh, that in a way was a surprise in an institution <laughs> where uh, everybody leaks everything and everybody knows everything, but it was by far for the best. Did so I, I was able to tell the staff and tell them why we were doing this and what we expect would happen. And what did you say? What was the why? Well, the why is uh, something I said to you earlier, Poppy, which was the Graham family's ownership of the post was supposed to be good for the post. That was why we owned it. Not because it was good for the family, but for the shareholders, but that it was good for the health of the newspaper. It seemed to us that ownership by somebody who had the immense knowledge of, te of the future, of technology, of ways to deliver information to readers, brought a big plus with it. The Post was, uh, had a central problem. We were publishing the print paper in Washington, D.C., and we had never thought that it made any economic sense to publish a print paper nationwide. The Internet is nationwide and worldwide. So it would have taken a big investment 
to gather the journalistic resources to become a nationwide and worldwide internet paper. But it was, it was a pretty obvious thing to do. So as we sit here now, six, almost seven years after the sale. Right. What has Jeff Bezos done for the Washington Post? What has he meant? Well, uh, Jeff has uh, done ex Jeff's done what I uh, the what I hoped he would do uh, in building the future of the paper. He's kept the editors. He's kept the philosophy. On the masthead of the Washington Post, going back to the time Eugene Meyer bought the paper in 1933, it says, an independent newspaper. Washington is full of people who wear a red shirt or a blue shirt, who are there not to tell you uh, what they think you need to know, but what is good for their side. And the Washington Post, and any good newspaper, uh, is trying to tell you the truth whether it helps one politician or one party or whether it hurts them. And uh, Jeff has kept Marty Barron and the critical editors and reporters who uh, have done that journalistic work in Washington all their lives. And uh, he's kept the post a very great newspaper. But he's built a technology platform that is really, really good, better than we could have done. So I'm, that, uh, that pleases me to no end. Fundamentally, yeah. why did Jeff Bezos want to buy the Washington you, Post? You, you, you know, it, it wasn't a sure bet. He didn't know if he'd make money. He didn't really know much about newspapers. He what? understood it. You'd have to ask him. I'm not going well, to I will hope that I get an interview to, I'm not going to propose to speak for Jeff. So he that. never said to you at one point, here's, the, here's why well, I wanted I, it. I, I think I, I better Jeff speaks okay. about that. Better Jeff works than mine. Yeah. I, I will ask him. One thing that struck me is that he said, he said publicly that you told him about every, quote, wart and pimple. Yeah. about the post, that nothing has surprised him. It was a very unusual negotiation. I told Jeff, you can instantly see what's good about owning the post. I want to tell you what's wrong with it. I want to tell you why the newspaper business is in trouble uh, and why we're willing to contemplate this sale, which we certainly wouldn't have been years ago. Yeah. And uh, uh, I tried to outline as best I could, I'm sure incompletely, the obvious things where newspapers were having trouble. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I tried to make that clear in advance because I didn't want to lure him into buying it under any, anything that, that uh, wasn't uh, the complete truth. What is his involvement in the Post day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month now? What's well, the you'd sense have to ask the, You'd have to ask Marty Barron. You'd have to ask Fred Ryan, the, ex the publisher of the Post. You'd have to ask the executives there. I, I, I don't know. How often do you talk to him about the post uh, once or twice a year when we run across each other at, at uh, business meetings of one kind or another I don't think I've uh, I can think of one time he saw me out to ask me a question in the early days hmm. of the after the sale but uh, you know Jeff's got great people there running it. If he wants to know something about the newsroom, he can ask Marty Barron. If he wants to know something <laughs> about the news site, he can ask Fred Ryan. He's doing fine. More from our CNN special documentary report on Amazon after the break. You 
could have sold, I assume, to a lot of those other tech guys that you mentioned. Did, well, I but, don't know. We, we could have... Uh, uh, um, you know, we could have sold the post. We, we did not... Uh, auction the post. We did not sell it to the highest bidder. Uh, but we had made clear to our shareholders over the years that mm -hmm. uh, the post was a unique place to us and a special interest of ours. So I don't think that came as a surprise to any shareholder. How does the Graham family feel now looking back at the sale and this decision that was obviously a difficult and emotional one for you guys? Well, I'll speak only for myself. I'm sad that we didn't find a way to solve the problems of the newspaper in the 21st century and keep the post as great as it uh, as it had been having satisfied myself that we hadn't solved those problems i i feel very good about the person we sold it to i think jeff has been uh, a person of honor has been uh, has done what good newspaper owners have historically done, which is stand up for his team, mm -hmm. and push him to print the truth and get things right and to be independent. How important is that today especially? Well, the, the answer will make itself clear over a long, long time, but I think it will be very important. Amazon's presence in Washington, Jeff Bezos' presence in Washington is growing significantly right now. Um, Amazon lobbied more government entities than any other public company last year. Their cloud service, AWS, which is a big part of their business, um, some of their biggest clients are, are government agencies. Amazon's second headquarters, one of them is going in, in Virginia, right outside of DC. The Post has tremendous influence in Washington. Has it ever been a concern for you at all that the interests of Amazon could have motivated the purchase of the Post, or do you see them as two very separate entities? Because, of course, the Post covers Amazon often critically. Well, I, it's, I suppose that's possible, but I think ownership of the Post has risks for Amazon as well as benefits, and I think some of those risks are making themselves quite clear at the moment. So. Tell me what you mean. Oh, yeah. The, the risk is that when the Post writes a negative article about a politician, about a government, it can make people unhappy. Like the president. Well, not only the president. Any, anybody, uh, mm. if you want to be friends with politicians, it's not a good idea to own a newspaper uh, because everybody remembers the, the bad things you write about them and they outweigh the, their reaction to anything, any story you write about their achievements. So this is true of leaders of other countries, and Amazon's is a worldwide business. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, but, uh, uh, I think the Post is not owned by Amazon. It's owned by the owner of Amazon. It's owned by Jeff yeah. as an individual. Jeff thinks all the time about Amazon, obviously. Right. I knew that. But uh, 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 while Amazon does a lot of business with the government, I don't see Amazon as a company constantly seeking favors from the government, as a lot of other companies must do. Well, and you know, you, you mentioned leaders. Look, the president complains often about the Washington Post. He calls it Amazon, etc. 
So just to your point, The right? president complains all the time about the Washington Post, and he's not the first. I do not know of a president in my lifetime who's, who's uh, felt anything but aggrieved about the Washington Post coverage of him or any good newspaper's coverage of him. Why do you think the president has taken aim at Bezos directly in Amazon? Do you think it's because yes. of the Washington Post, have, like you just made that argument? I have seen uh, other presidents do the same thing. There was a man named Richard M. Nixon who was very direct and very personal in what he felt about the Washington Post. So this uh, President Trump is doing what an awful lot of politicians have done over the years. What do you make of the Washington Post's own coverage of Amazon? I, I, I don't know. I haven't studied it. You know, I, I haven't compared it to that of other papers as I would have if I was still involved with it. One thing that struck me that, that Bezos has said recently, he said, I'm hopeful that I can be helpful from a distance. And I know that you're not involved in the day-to-day -day with him on this, but looking from a distance, I mean, that was his goal, to be helpful from a distance. Has he been? Well, I think so. I'm a reader. That's my connection to the Post now. I think the Post is in very strong shape. Mm -hmm. I pick it up in the morning with excitement, and I really enjoy reading it. It's top to bottom. It's a great paper. It's got a, I'm a long, long, long ago sports editor of the Washington Post, and it's absolutely <laughs> got the greatest sports section of any paper I know, although I know Jeff never reads a word of it. Never so reads I, a word of the sports he's section? Not a, he's not a sports fan. Oh, but, is that uh, true? I don't know but, if I knew uh, that. But he is uh, the, the ultimate test uh, of his ownership is how good a paper is he putting out. And there so far, it is a very good paper. As I mentioned at the top, Jeff Bezos has called you the most honorable gentleman you could ever meet. Is there anything that you wish people knew about Jeff Bezos that maybe they don't? No, I'm, uh, I'm, I've done uh, one of the most important business transactions in my life with Jeff, but I don't pose as an expert on Jeff. Uh, I think he's... Uh, I, I think he's not only somebody that's built Amazon. I think as, as, as Mr. Buffett called him, the best CEO in the United States, I think he's an extraordinarily able businessman, and both his technology brilliance and his business brilliance will come in very handy for the Washington Post over his lifetime. Is there a character trait that you think makes him that way? Because Warren Buffett does not lightly call someone the yeah. best business leader there is. Uh, I think Jeff's, uh, if you say what's the main difference between Jeff and many other CEOs, not all, it's his extreme long-term mindedness, which if you think about it is also a characteristic of Warren Buffett. Uh, Jeff, uh, I've, I've heard people accuse Jeff and Amazon of a lot of things. There was a time when People were saying Amazon was way overpriced, that it was going to go bankrupt, that, it, you know, this was in the early days of the Internet. Right. And, uh, but one thing I've never heard anybody say is that uh, he paid any attention to quarterly results as opposed to the health of Amazon in the long term. So I think that's his most unusual characteristic. He has said publicly that taking over the post, to your point about having a long-term view, will be one of the things that he is most proud of when he is 90. 
Well, he is nowhere close to 90. So how does that make you feel? I feel great about that. You know, that's the time frame that I would hope the owner of the post would be thinking in. It's, uh, it's not a place where you can do something today to ensure its future when Jeff is 90. It takes, a long, it takes building. Could you just speak to the... I know you're just a reader of the Washington Post yeah. today, which is, which is hard to believe, but you've been so fundamental in the building of the Post. What does the Washington Post mean to American society today? Well, newspaper people can be a little, can sometimes get a little carried away with themselves about what they mean to American society. It is a really good way for people to learn about what's going on in the country that's either important to them or interesting to them. Uh, reading the Post, you ought to, you ought to feel, well, I didn't know that, I'm better informed, and you ought to feel, this is fun. I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm picking up things I didn't know about people, about uh, baseball, about, uh, and about the most important things going on in the world. So um, that, you know, you've got to have, yeah, it, it, it it is always important for people who want to know what's really going on to have a place or two they believe is absolutely working to tell them the truth. And if people want such a place, I recommend the Washington Post. But it's, it's, it isn't the only such place that's trying that, but I think it's doing exceptionally well. Outside of Amazon, the Washington Post is not Jeff Bezos's only um, passion. That did occur to me. Space yes. is also his passion. Yeah. To think we may be reading the Washington Post, ordering Amazon in space one day. It's not that far-fetched. And all of it could be because of Jeff Bezos, which is kind of remarkable. Has he ever talked to you about his space ambitions? Very, only, probably less than, than he's talked to many other people. No, I'm not a, I'm no expert on space. I'm, uh, But did he say anything to you about it? Did no, he ever I mean, explain did, his it, love it, it, for it Well, to you? when I, when I was considering uh, him as a potential owner of the Washington Post, and I considered that the Post in some years, let us say if there were another big recession as there was in 2008, it might lose money and he might have to put money into it. And then I thought, well, this is a guy sending rockets to Mars in his spare time. I think he probably, it, it won't be as expensive as that. There you go. He's got a little extra cash if yeah. he needed to infuse it. Yeah. Oh. Don Graham, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Poppy. A pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Boss Files. You can find the special CNN documentary report, The Age of Amazon, on CNN Go. Don't forget to subscribe to Boss Files to get weekly episodes from interviews with top CEOs and leaders. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Poppy Harlow CNN. I'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and our Amazon documentary. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. 
Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.